Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome. To the Liberal Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Liberal Cubicalist. This show is a journey into the inner folds of my mind because a mind, or a brain rather, is made up of many different delicate and not so delicate ridges and folds and gooeynesses, and that's what we're going to explore through the media I have consumed, as I consume a lot of it. And the reason I do this, the reason you are listening to this, is because my thought and theory is that should you consume this media and just let it sit up in that dusty attic and not occasionally release it like some sort of pressure release valve, you will slowly go insane, or not so slowly in my case. So, each week, give or take... I will dust off the old podcasting equipment and record talk of things that I have watched and read and experienced. Okay? Okay. I should warn at the top, which I feel like I have become... I have become... I have become rather lackadaisical. Uh, about a warning of the possibility of spoilers at the top of the show. So, today I have remembered to do so. Congratulations, me. Excuse me, just clearing my throat there. Uh, One behind-the-scenes little action I wanted to give. If you listened to episode 501... Uh, you will know I mentioned uh, slash had some problems with the old show timer thing, segment noises. What I've done, you know what, I should give the name of this thing. It is called Simple Board. Uh, it is a customizable soundboard. So now I have five buttons and I could just push a button and uh, it, it's going to help with, you know, the segments as they are broken up into different you know, sections uh yeah like this one hey why don't i just push a button and that will explain it better than i am doing movie monologue Huh? Like that. I just pushed a button and that happened. Then, when we move on to the next segment, I'll just push another button. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Today's movie monologue sponsor is The Lost City of Hotlanta. Oh, thank you for that sponsorship. Very, very kind of you. Movie the first, Aquaman. Yeah, I hadn't seen it for some reason. Uh, Didn't really hear anything bad about it necessarily, I don't think. Yeah, people somewhat enjoyed it, question mark. Anyways, I don't really pay attention to that necessarily, uh, and uh, I'm a fan of Jason Momoa. He's a he, he's a sexy, sexy man. I will say, um, the girl, you know, she, she's pretty good too. What was her name? Amber Heard. Yeah, you know, nothing wrong with her. We got Willem Dafoe in here. 
doing his Defoeus. Dolph Lundgren, that was a pleasant surprise. Very, very smart man, Dolph Lundgren, which uh, he doesn't, I think, get enough credit for, just in terms of uh, book smarts, at the very least. Arthur Curry, the human born heir of the underwater kingdom of Atlantis, blah, 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 bling, 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 blah. Uh, it's a superhero movie that a lot of it takes place underwater, period, full stop. My rating. Ooh, what am I going to go? I'm probably going to go a solid four, uh, if you're unfamiliar with my rating scale. Three is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. And I can easily see a scenario in which I would watch this movie again. Um, it does what I like of superhero movies. It doesn't take itself 100% seriously, 100% of the time. There's some jokes. There's some nods to the fact that this is ridiculous. Uh, I, I could even use some more of that, and my rating would potentially go up. It is a long movie, I'm just seeing. Uh, two hours and 23 minutes. Uh, it didn't necessarily feel like that, because again, if you are somehow a first-time listener, which is a possible in this post-episode 500 world, uh, you will know uh, most of my watching of things and playing of video games are done simultaneously. I'll usually have a movie on while I play a video game, and vice versa. So, there. Moving on to uh, a movie that was not well received by, I don't think, anyone, uh, Men in Black colon International. Now, let's go ahead and demonstrate the fact that I am bad at this reviewing of things because I didn't mind this movie. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, in terms of Men in Black movies, probably the worst one, but they're all very good movies. So, rating-wise... I go a solid 3.1. Oh, yeah, look at that. Even just above 3. And and possibly some cool uh, 4 moments. Uh, what's her name in this? Tessa Thompson. I She looks familiar, but I actually don't know. Oh, you know what? I As I do for these things, I just have the IMD webpage open. So I can just click on her name, and then we'll see where else I recognize her from. Creed? No. Thor Ragnarok. Dear white people. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, that must have been it. Oh, that's interesting. So, Thor Ragnarok. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, it turns out, I'm a big fan of Tessa Thompson. Yeah, she was uh, she was very good in this. Um, it's basically a Men in Black movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> Moving on to The Longest Yard from 1974. Oh, this one. Not the Adam Sandler one. The one from uh, 1974 starring Mr. Burt Reynolds' mustache and all. Uh, it's good. Uh, I think, and this is probably, I don't, I don't know if this is odd or not, but it probably is. I, I'm fairly certain I like the Adam Sandler one better. And I, and I think I know why. It's the same reason in, uh, oh, coming up actually. Uh, I like X-Men movies. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all, so let me explain. If you're unfamiliar with The Longest Yard, let me just uh, run it down a bit. A sadistic warden asks a former pro quarterback now serving time in prison to put together a team of inmates to take on and get pummeled by the guards. Um, so anytime there's a movie, uh, let's give some examples. Uh, X-Men... Uh, uh, the, the uh, Oceans movies, uh, there's innumerable variations of this where uh, a, a guy or a pair of guys go around and build a team for a specific task. That going around and building of that team, uh, I always very much enjoy for some reason. Um, and I think potentially that's why I like the Adam Sandler one better is because I feel like they do more of that. Yeah, you know, just a, a simple math there for you uh that being said still a good movie 
uh, wasn't as funny, maybe, necessarily. One thing I was curious about from the very beginning was would they uh, do anything with the Tracy Morgan role from the uh, Adam Sandler one? And they do a little bit, but they don't uh, focus on it quite as much. It's just sort of there at the end. Uh, and I won't give anything away about that. Hmm, look at that. Not spoiling things. Okay, rating-wise. I'll, I'll go with solid three. Solid three. Yeah, solid three. Okay, uh, another much maligned movie, Dark Phoenix. Oh, yeah, people really didn't like this one. And it's the last of this X-Men franchise, too, which is kind of sad that it went out, not with a bang, but with a... Which, if you are unfamiliar, is sometimes called a whimper. Rating-wise, 2.7... Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Uh, I, some of the, like, I, one thing I will say about this X-Men movie more than any others I've ever watched, uh, I cared less of the characters, which uh, in, in a franchise where, as I've already mentioned, I, I like the gathering of teams, but one of the reasons I like that in a movie such as this is I like a large group, which X-Men often is, uh, maybe this one a little less, of people with a wide variety of special abilities. So so teams of superheroes where it's not necessarily people like Superman who are like super powerful or uh, things of that nature. I, I like ones with like weird powers or or, or maybe that's one of the reasons uh, D&D uh, appeals to me so much is because it's not necessarily everyone's super powerful to the level of gods and uh, superheroes, but are rather have a wide variety of abilities and such. So uh, that was lacking, and a lot of things, to be honest, lacking in this movie. And I don't normally say not nice things in movies, so I don't do so here. Moving on to Ma. Hey, Ma. Give me some oven fries, Ma. No peeking. Oh, there's some jokes that nobody listening to this will get. But I did, and that's what it's all about. Ma from 2019, a lonely woman befriends a group of teenagers and decides to let them party at her house. Now, when I was a teenager, uh, drinking as I did, this would have been a goddamn delight if we had just a... We kind of did, actually, now that I think about it, without giving any parents' names away. Uh, we did have uh, some houses that uh, we were able to, from time to time, uh, go and party in the drinking it of an underage variety. Uh, I will say the theory there, uh, and I think it's a valid theory, is the thought that uh, they would rather you doing it under their house where they can keep an eye on you and make sure you're not doing too much stupid shit, although we did, <laughs> rather than, you know, out in the bushes somewhere uh, getting up to who knows what, which uh, we also did. So, you know, best and worst of both worlds. Um, so it's a thriller uh, reminiscent of uh, she's Fatal Attraction. What's the one where she boils a bunny? A real bunny boiler is a saying now because of it. Uh, a little bit like that, and it was good. And it ramped up slow, which 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 I like. Like there's just sort of subtle hints at this girl's uh, uh, craziness. Who plays her? Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer. She's good too. Uh, what have I seen her in? Um, what was that? What the uh, the Help. I don't think I ever did see The Help. Uh, I read the book, though. Uh, Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. Yeah, she was really good in Hidden Figures. Uh, okay, so rating-wise for Ma, I think I'd go a solid 4.444. Repeating. Ah, how about that? Convoluted ratings at their finest? Question mark? I don't know. Pushing button to move on.
television talk. Today's television talk is brought to you by the letter Q. Thank you for that. Okay, uh, don't do this too often, but I believe I have from time to time. Rather than speak of an entire series of a television show, just brought back an episode of Star Trek Voyager, specifically Season 2, Episode 18, titled Death Wish. On the note of Star Trek titles, despite being what I would consider myself a, a very, very big, diehard fanatic of Star Trek, uh, one... I don't know if it's a level of Star Trek fandom that I don't possess, uh, or if it's just something else. Uh, the fact that I don't know the names of episodes. People do. People will be able to quote specific titles of episodes and exactly what happens. I am more along the lines of, oh yeah, you know the one where uh, uh, Cisco punched Q in the face, just as an example. Uh, but I don't know what that episode is called, and people do. So is that level of fandom different? Possibly, probably, maybe, I don't know. But I bring it up for you to debate in the comments below. Uh, I don't even know if there is comments below, but should there be? You can now debate that. Okay, so uh, in this episode, uh, we first meet Q in Voyager. Yeah, uh, which is a, a sort of pleasant surprise. Um, I, I don't know if I brought this up yet. I think we spoke of it in my review of Season 1 of Voyager, where I mentioned uh, the Mrs. and I are watching this together, which has been a goddamn delight. And uh, been good as well that the first season, not great, I, I, I will say. And that's probably true of most Star Trek now that I think about it, maybe the original series didn't suffer from it as much. Um, that the first season was a little slow, they're sort of finding their footing, which is not unusual. Um, but uh, I, I felt it probably more this time around because I had the missus with me, so she was sort of, and I was a little worried she would say, I don't want to watch this anymore, <laughs> where, I, where I know that it gets better. So uh, maybe there was a slightly more uh, hesitantness. Uh, coming for me. Anyways, uh, so this one does a lot of cool things. Uh, we meet more than one Q, which uh, has happened before in the form of Corbin Bernstein. Bernstein? Bernstein, Bernstein Bears? Yeah, that guy. Um, but we also, for the first time in Star Trek history, travel to the Q continuum, which is fascinating. Uh, whoever came up with what it should look like and the sort of general idea, uh, just the idea, of, uh, let me just take one thing from why I love uh, this episode and the Q Continuum. Um, one thing that Q says, <laughs> the John Delancey Q, I think, uh, which is confusing right there, all species are known, <laughs> all of Q's species are named Q, just to make it extra confusing. I wonder why they decided to do that. Hmm. Anyways, uh, one, one of the phrases that they say in this is that while in the continuum, what the humans are seeing uh, has been created so that their basically puny minds can understand what they are seeing. So uh, that, that just sort of blows my mind a little bit that they, that they kind of go to that extra limit of that. So I like that very much. The other reason I, I was looking forward to this episode is because the missus at Toronto Comic-Con 2019, I do believe it was, uh, got to meet and interact with John Delancey. Uh, which was fun to see. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with my Nerd Kane adventures, there was an episode not too, too long ago. You can listen to that. You could listen to the Toronto Comic-Con uh, episode as well. Basically, just to plug myself uh, for a brief moment and to explain the story before we move on, 
I will go to the cons, your fan expos, your Toronto Comic Cons, basically the local ones. Uh, I will have a cane to lean on because if you've ever been to one of these things, a lot of waiting in line. And my back, she not the great. So uh, I have the cane to lean on. Then I will hand said cane, said nerd cane, to uh, celebrities such as Mr. Delancey, or is it just Mr. Lancey? Probably do. Um, and have them autograph it. Then I will take that cane, that autographed cane, that now has just shy of 70 autographs, I will say, uh, and then hand it to cosplayers and uh, ask if I could take their picture. So that's what that is. Anyways, the interaction between uh, Mr. Delancey and uh, the missus was pretty funny because I, I don't know how it happened, but they started talking about pressure cleaning and uh, maybe, oh, you know what it was? He asked what we do for a living. Uh, and my wife works for a company that does like industrial cleaning of kitchens and such. And he started talking about pressure cleaning, like uh, with a pressure washer. Apparently he's a big fan of it. He finds it very relaxing. Listen, you're getting a little behind the scenes. You, you didn't know that about John Delancey, that he likes to use a pressure washer, but now you do. Uh, so the missus and him were talking about that for what seemed like a while, <laughs> but it was fun to watch because normally I'm there interacting with him, but I, 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 since I wanted her to have fun at, at this thing that she didn't necessarily want to be at, uh, it, it was nice to see her have a, have a little joy there. Yes? Yes. Moving on to... Conan the Librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> Today's book banter sponsor is Elven Sanitary Napkins. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, I have book one of what I believe is the Witcher Saga. However, um, it, it's called The Blood of Elves is the title. It is by... Uh, I knew I was going to have trouble with this. <laughs> I should have looked into it. Uh, Andrzej... Sabaus Sapkowski, Sapkowski, yeah, Mr. Sapkowski, who he will heretofore be referred to. And the reason I think it's Saga, the Witcher Saga, is because I can only see the name of the, um, the, the, the series in whatever language that is. I believe Polish. I'm, I'm fairly confident Polish. Anyways, because uh, it says Saga o Widazamini, which uh, I assume Widazamini means Witcher. So thank you for writing these books, because they're amazing. Uh, but thank you even more, because they turned them into the Witcher video game series, which is favorite video game series of all times. Can't wait for the new one uh, post-Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, that will be interesting. Okay, let me read the Goodreads uh, about book one of the series, which I finished last night, actually. Um, for over a century, humans, dwarves, gnomes, and elves have lived together in relative peace, but times, they are a-changing. Okay, I, I, I added that, just as times have changed. Uh, the uneasy peace is over, and now the races are fighting once again. The only good elf, it seems, is a dead elf. Ooh. Uh, Geralt of Rivia, the cunning assassin known as the Witcher, although that's not fair because there's more than one Witcher, he shouldn't be just called the. Uh, has been waiting for the birth of a prophesized child. Oh, the old prophesized child gambit, eh? Uh, the child has the power to change the world for good or for evil. 
As the threat of war hangs over the land, the child is hunted for her extraordinary powers. It will become Geralt's responsibility to protect them all, and the Witcher never accepts defeat. Okay, that's accurate. Um, okay, that's weird. Oh yeah, you know what? Uh, the, I think there was a... This is book one, but I also think there was a book 0 0.5 that I may have skipped. Okay, so let me talk a little bit about this. If you played uh, The Witcher 3, which I did play Witcher 1, 2, and 3, but uh, I don't... Witcher 1 and 2 so long ago, I don't really remember them, and I don't think it had much to do with these books necessarily. Whereas these, I believe, are going to be more... Uh, intertwined with what happened in the events of Witcher 3. Uh, the reason I say that is this feels like a prequel to that game, The Witcher 3, uh, in that we're learning... Um, it, it focuses mostly on Ciri, the prophesized child, um, and sort of how she grew up and, and, and her sort of story. Whereas uh, in the video game, and again, I haven't played that in a little bit either, Although I will say a fun thing about reading these books is making me want to revisit those games. So maybe I'll do that. Uh, anyways, uh, so, so it focuses on this girl and sort of her growing up, how she developed, um, how the world around her basically wants to use her for uh, various things, mostly political. Uh, and, and let me just do my rating on that point. Uh, this book was okay. Um I'm already, I, I'm like, geez, like not even 20 pages into the next book, and maybe it's just starting strong, but I feel like it's going to be better. Just for the reason that, uh, and this is more my own thing than the book, uh, the political of fantasy uh, is not something that appeals to me. It doesn't, uh, political stuff doesn't appeal me to me in real life, and it doesn't appeal to me in fantasy. So there's a lot of sort of political intrigue and, and nations vying for whatever, blah, blah, blah. And uh, those are the things that I don't really care about. And there was a fair chunk of that. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a three um, with some boring two moments, with even some one moments where I debated stopping to watch it. I will uh, watch it, <laughs> read it, I will admit, which is rare for me. But uh, they were infrequent, I will say, and I did make it through. And by the end, I was uh, interested again. And uh, so far into the second book, I'm enjoying it. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But right now, it wasn't my favorite fantasy. And these this is a fantasy different than your sort of Lord of the Rings or or uh, D and D. I, I will say that as well. It's a lot more gritty and realistic. Uh, so there you go. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is the Nander Warg Puppy Mill. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, so I have for you, as I do from time to time, a D&D recap. Yeah, speaking of D&D, &D, uh, occasionally I will play D&D &D every two weeks or so. And uh, what I will do is, uh, from the perspective of my character, have been writing diary entries. Interesting. So uh, you can go back uh, some episodes and hear the previous ones. You can also go back and uh, read or, sorry, listen to the 
uh, backstory of my character, Oxford Britannica, should you wish to. Um, but uh, this is session number five, which I have titled Sex Whips and Spider Bites, as may become apparent. <clears throat> uh, I will blame the long into the night celebrating that it was not until the rude awakening of a morning headache that I noticed on the forehead of the giant we had dispatched is an unfamiliar rune. Although I could not read it, its structure is similar to some that I recall from my time spent with the Queen of the Storm Giants. Interesting and worrisome. I did not have much time to ponder how a hill giant that likely does not have the capacity for reading or writing ended up with this complex rune on their forehead, when two of my former students arrived in the town of Miller's Hill. Jessica's studies led her into the Bardrick Arts, which was an area of study I did not have much interest in at first, but once I started to delve into the often mathematical complexity of music, I became fascinated. The combination of this structure and the fact that songs often tell a story, which is of course just a way to relay information, uh, meant that to this day I will seek out songs and share them with Jessica, as I did here. Uh, I do remember I came up with a song name on the spot. It was something like Whispering Willow, another W word. I forget what it was, but I think it impressed people. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Melira, whose Aladrin elfishness has always fascinated me, was a sight for these sword old eyes. Uh, and not just because I know she would be willing to help guide us through the, our deep forest. Her love of nature was such... That when her druidic ability started to sprout, eh? uh, hopefully was able to foster them to the best of my abilities. At the very least, I will say she was a delight to work with. For her, fur, for her, I shared the harpy feather I had pressed into the alchinary, so that she could see how these creatures' plumage differs from most avian. Um. We bid the grateful folks of Miller's Hill a joyous goodbye and head out the, f out and follow the paths and trails that May, which is what I call Maylira for short, despite her being six foot four, has set out for us. Uh, we did manage to get a little lost, but as I have learned, it is sometimes what you are not searching for that becomes the most interesting. This adage proves true as we end up before an incredibly lifelike statue of the legendary oh, fantasy name uh, Quilliveldorn. <laughs> Even more lifelike is when the chosen of Mr. herself appears before us. Uh, I have met some very impressive personages over my life, but this was truly awe-inspiring, especially when it seemingly just happened due to random chance. Yeah, we rolled a 20 on, I guess, getting lost <laughs> and ended up before this uh, almost god. Uh, we were very fortunate in that the bracers we found at Mistress Temple are apparently emanating a magic that those attuned to Mistress can sense. We are even more fortunate in that Quilly Village huh, must have sensed our intent 
and perhaps our fixing up of the temple made her partial to our cause, as she has graciously infused the bracers with the ability to telepathically communicate with anyone attuned to them. So that's going to come in handy. I will admit having extra voices in my head has felt a little crowded, but with time, these will no doubt be very, very useful tools. I did notice that Noctis has refused this gift but my in my experience paladins often have an aversion to certain things so it may just be that it's not like he has some deep dark secret he wants to hide from this telepathic link dun, dun, dun. anyway all that's quilla asked for this in the boon of her friendship in the future is that uh, adventurers i would ask a favor if you should pass the small town of Whitehaven, I would ask that you look to the Temple of Torm and purify its foul stench. For this small deed, many would be most grateful. Uh, I don't know where that town is, so <laughs> we'll see. I, I mean, I don't, and my character may or may not. I guess we'll see. Uh, I, for one, would be happy to delve the depths of a temple dedicated to Torm, as often the information a god possesses and doles out is truly fascinating. Also, helping others is often the best way to get to know them. Um, back on track to Nightstone, we come across some ominous signs of a large band of spiders and their oft-companions ettercaps. Uh, for them to be on the surface, traveling by day and seemingly working together in such large numbers is worrisome to say the least. Uh, when we find what appears to be an orc encased in webbing, it looked like an opportunity to ask it what had transpired, but knowing if he was dead or alive could not be easily determined without disturbing the webbing which is not a good idea when you're dealing with giant spiders. Uh, so I had the inclination to pull forth from the junk drawer of the desk a small mirror we could put under the nose of the orc to see its breath, or not see its breath, as the case may be. However, I instead pulled forth a decidedly kinky whip, which I will admit I have no recollection of purchasing, but c'est la vie. Uh, let me just explain that <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I ride around my character, ride around. Oh, that's a good time that I'm getting into my character that I just said I. Uh, my character rides around on a desk that's sort of ambulatory, and uh, I came up with the idea to have a junk drawer, as all desks do. So basically, I could say I want to pull forth a mirror in this case. Uh, the DM will then determine the likelihood of my owning this. Uh, and then I will roll to see when it, if I pull in, if I pull forth a mirror. I failed that roll. So then I also created a D100 table of things I could instead pull forth. Uh, some of them are monsters. The worst one is just I pull forth and my hand is gone. <laughs> uh, so we had a, oh, that'll come up later. Um, but in this case, I reached in, I pulled forth a whip which is, is a weapon that you can use in D&D, but uh, we decided for the purposes of <laughs> comedy, I guess, to make it like a sex whip that uh, this 499-year-old just so happened to have in his desk for some reason. Kinky. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Rather than disturb the webbing, we vacate the area in the hopes that we will bypass these arachnids, but our hopes are dashed when several giant wolf spires spring from the woods getting the drop on us. Uh, May uses her ability to summon a bonfire at will to great effect, while Drina and myself pepper the spiders with projectiles. 
Uh, Noctis's physical prowess is truly something to behold as he smashes spiders with ease. And I will say Duna has also seemingly come into her own and also lands some fine hits. Uh, Duna is an NPC. Uh, she, I believe it's a she, is Noctis's squire uh, who just gained her first level of a fighter. So she, she's actually doing some good now other than just sort of getting in the way. <laughs> uh, things seem to be going well against the spiders when the truly gruesome sight of an Edercat appears and i will admit the thought of an expedious retreat crossed my mind uh with time and effort we managed to eventually defeat all these nasty things only to reveal yet another nasty thing a living orc found similarly encased in webbing that when questioned reveals his leader chief grump has been working with some sort of giant spider creature quote unquote perhaps a drider is my thought, but orcs are seemingly incapable of details. Uh, between the oddities of the rune on the hill giants and this group of monsters joining forces, I'm starting to think there's some mastermind at work in there who is sowing discord, and that is troublesome. Worrisome. And a third thing. Uh, we are fortunate to wash the dust and webs from our travels, as may found us perhaps the best camping site that has ever existed yeah natural 20 on looking for a campsite uh all of us seem to enjoy our night with the ex exception of jessica who for some reason did not like the solid silver pillow she pulled from the junk drawer yeah that was the other example so she wanted a pillow to sleep with she reached into the junk drawer uh failed her roll still pulled out a pillow but it was made of solid silver um which probably not the most comfortable pillow uh can't please everyone i guess a <laughs> good night's sleep is just that just what we all needed and we start in the morning our final approach to nightstone our final approach to nightstone is met with quiet that should you be measuring quietude would be high on that scale <laughs> dumb uh the pennants of house nander fly from the battlements of this impressively defensible town but it turns out not defensible enough as when may turns into her dire wolf form uh yeah she's a druid uh she sniffs out the mass exodus of the town so townsfolk as well as the mass intrudus of upwards of 30 goblins and several wargs uh it is then that the clang of uh the bell is heard uh of a, a Abel is heard, and I hazard a guess it is either a warning for us that the town has been overrun or a cry from help from those whoever have barricaded themselves in the bell tower. Uh, regardless, Nadrina sallies forth in the hopes to scope out what is happening. Unfortunately, the sense of smell of a warg is such that sneaking is difficult, to say the least, so she is spotted and a pack of three wargs assails us. Uh, we are fortunate to have given ourselves the defensible position on the other side of the open drawbridge so that only two wargs could attack at once, leaving May to her own canine battle. Uh, yeah, warg versus uh, dire, wolf. dire wolf, pretty cool. Uh, a bear trap placed by Nadrina and some vicious mocking from Jessica meant that the wargs were not fighting at their full potential. I was peppering them with splashes of acid when I noticed a species of grass at my feet I've never seen before. I will admit this distracted me so that the end of the fight is a bit of a blur. Truly an amazing species of grass. I shall perhaps publish an article on it. Okay, so all that grass thing at the end was because I had to leave before we finished the battle. Uh, yeah, so there you go. What's going to happen? I'm, I'm actually playing today in several hours, so 
potentially, next episode, I will have section six stuff. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie bit me. Internet intercourse. I like turtles. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Bruce. Thank you for that sponsorship. Item the first. Bruce Green is leaving Funhouse. Ugh, that's the first time I've said it out loud, and it it hurts. It's it's a painful thing. It's a uh, to my soul a, a crushing, not fun. I don't like it thing. That being said, uh, it's not like he's dying. <laughs> uh, he's just moving on to uh, potentially bigger and better things. I don't know, bigger, better for him things. Yeah, let's put it that way. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Funhouse, uh, I'll do what I do every time it comes up on the podcast and say it is the YouTube channel, uh, the only YouTube channel where I watch every single video that they put out and they put out a significant amount of videos it's probably of the media i consume in the watch variety it's got to be in the in the top percentile uh it is not dissimilar for reasons uh, i feel of this how i did when attack of the show was cancelled on g4 um the reason that's not similar is because he actually worked on that uh, sort of behind the scenes a, a writer or I'm not actually sure what his role was uh, so the fact that he is now leaving this is, means that twice now things he's been involved in uh, I've felt devastation at his loss hmm uh, so the, the, the story is uh, and they, they, the, the good people at Funhouse they, they did something that uh, I'm sure it was not easy and felt like it was maybe a little difficult to do, but I'm glad they did it, and I, I bet you in the end they're glad they did it as well. And as they sat down and did sort of a podcast, I guess you would call it, uh, where they spoke of sort of what was transpiring, why it's happening, and why he has decided to leave this this the, this amazing YouTube channel. Um, the gist, which I will outline here, is that... Um, uh, he sort of decided he wanted to leave, and Rooster Teeth, the uh, the owners of the channel, I guess it would be, question mark? I'm not really sure how that works, uh, said, okay, I'll tell you what, uh, take a month off, don't decide right away, and come back, and we'll do whatever you want to do when you come back. Uh, the fact that this company did that for him, uh, I, I think is a very, very good sign that this is a company that is nice. <laughs> and uh, uh, for most... Uh, things you hear of Rooster Teeth, uh, most of what I hear is through Funhouse. They seem to be a very good company to work for uh, and work with. So, uh, so that's pleasing, just right off the fact, right off the bat. There, uh, he came back and his decision remained the same that he wanted to leave. Um, one of the reasons would be potentially the what seems like a bit of a grind on that Funhouse of working, you know, twelve-hour days, seven days a week, that sort of thing, which. Uh, uh, is it the norm? Like, it, it, it seems like it's too much uh, in video game related things, even in the industry of, like, they're not making video games, uh, but they are playing them and they are putting out content. Content creators working incredibly long hours seems to be a thing, which is uh, sort of disappointing um, because you got to refresh your batteries in order to make that content, one would assume. Uh, the other reason is. Uh, he has worked on things like Funhouse, like uh, Insider Gaming, I forget what the other one is, things that have become very, very popular. He has 
uh, been some of the one of the driving forces of creating these very very popular uh, million dollar making things, and yet he is not getting money from that other than I guess his pay because the creator the the, the companies he works for owns the IP the intellectual property whereas uh, he is just sort of working on it and creating it so his thought is and this is a very smart one I hope uh, very much it works out for him I am going to follow him wherever he goes um, whatever he creates his, his thought is that uh, if I'm by myself and I create one of these million dollar things, I will be the sort of sole proprietor of that and I will be the one making all the money. Uh, so very, very smart to think like that. A little bit, um, uh, he, he's, I assume, has some nerves over going out on his own like this. It's got to be a nerve wracking thing. Uh, I don't know if I would have the balls to do it. Uh, in fact, I probably don't think I would. It, it's that thought of um, being in a comfortable... Well, it didn't sound that comfortable position from time to time. Being in that position where you have a job, where you know what your what your salary is, um, you're, you're, you get in that sort of comfortable position, whereas, okay, yeah, I, I could leave this behind and potentially make very much more money and be way better off, but I could also leave and be much, much worse. So uh, the fact that he's doing this is uh, very impressive, and uh, he's an impressive dude and uh, super, super funny. It's funny, too, because I was literally just talking to someone uh, about Funhouse the other day online uh, about who our sort of favorite pairings were. My favorite pairing has always been uh, Bruce and Elise. So now <laughs> Elise is going to need to find a new Bruce, which is sad. I'd love to be her Bruce. I actually, uh, I don't know why. Well, I, I, I do know why, but uh, in part of his uh, endeavors that he delves into uh, could potentially be podcasting. At least that is what I suggested to him in a DM on Twitter, which... Uh, the odds are that it won't be read. Uh, I, I assume he probably is a, a big enough, popular enough uh, person that doesn't read his uh, Twitter DMs. But should he, uh, I floated the possibility of a podcast network coalition sort of thing that I would like to be a part of. Uh, probably not going to happen, but you never know. Uh, moving on to the Origins podcast with Lawrence Krauss. Ah, fellow Canadian Lawrence Krauss, it turns out, which I was not aware of. Um, if you're unfamiliar with Lawrence Krauss, you probably haven't done much research into artificial intelligence, because if you have, his name probably would have uh, come across. Very, very smart dude, MIT kind of graduate, whatever, the, that sort of thing, uh, has a podcast. Uh, the, I found this through Penn Sunday School, which is a podcast I've listened to for a very, very long time. In fact, you may recognize Penn Gillette in the show opening of this very podcast. So... Um, they sort of did a, one of those cross-pollination episodes where they both recorded an episode and put it on their feeds, which is a, a smart thing to do. Something that Bruce Green could do uh, on his podcasting network that he's going to develop with me. Anyways, uh, so uh, w once I listened to that, and it was a delight, and it sort of uh, explored you know, uh, intellectual areas, which I don't get to hear much of, uh, I, I decided to listen to uh, a bunch more and subscribe to him. So he had uh, Noam Chons Chomsky, Richie, Ricky Gervais, uh, Alan Stern, uh, funny, smart, interesting people interviewed by an incredibly intelligent person. Hey, why not? Exploring interesting subjects, good clean excuse me fun burp uh okay oh yeah uh grift horse 
Don't look a grift horse in the mouth. <laughs> uh, I just see I spelt horse wrong. <laughs> uh, idiot. Okay, I got to remember that. Anyways, uh, with, uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, Michael, oh, Michael, Howard Kramer and Megan Beth Keister are the hosts. Howard Kramer, you might recognize from a little podcast called Who Charted? Mm -hmm. On the Earwolf Network. Anyways, uh, he uh, just started this new podcast with uh, Megan where they explore griffs. If you're unfamiliar with griffs, usually when I think of that word, it's about sort of con men conning other people but uh th- want to stress that that is not what this podcast is about you're not you you're not to use these griffs against other people no 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 you are to use these quote-unquote griffs uh against massive companies fuck them that sort of thing uh so what are some examples um <laughs> one that they did which is uh one that i the missus and i uh, uh, i always give her shit not that we go to a lot of buffets like uh, probably i don't know maybe we're at a buffet once a year for some circumstance but she's the worst person to go to a buffet with because she'll eat like like buns and fucking two dollar uh, like her plate her the total worth of her plate is going to be like a dollar with everything on it whereas when i go you you got to focus on the lobster and the crab and the and the and the, and the high-grade sushi and the, and the steaks and the stuff like that you got to get your money's worth where she is putting some butter on a bun you don't need a bun at a buffet god damn it so <laughs> that was one that they brought up uh they spoke of some of their coupon tricks in tips uh buying stuff cheap online and then reselling it which sounds like a lot of work and to be honest uh some of the stuff falls under that category of sure you could do it sure you would make money but you're also wasting a lot and well is it a waste of time i guess that is really where the your perspective is going to come in um one of the interesting ones is toner because toner is so expensive so apparently she can find it cheap places and then sell it for a lot of money I guess once you get it down and once it's like part of your life that you do stuff like this and you have the time for it, you've worked the time for it into your schedule, maybe it gets better. But uh, the the thought of me doing stuff like this, it, it seems unlikely that it would be cost effective because time is money. And we're almost out of time. So I will uh, just do a honorable mention to Conan, not the barbarian, but the talk show host traveling to Greenland which was fascinating because uh greenland you see it on a map it's this big place up there but you very rarely do you know anything about it so should you finally wish to see what it's like in greenland uh you could do so and have some fun along the way which i hope happened here folks we did it we did it that leaves the final thing to say which is always the final thing to say at the end of every one of these 502 plus episodes which is It's nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine?
you ain't seen it shine Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper.